Hello and welcome back to the Competing Biblically podcast. Today we are moving along in the Competing Biblically framework and we're talking about how to live and compete with a strong will. A will that says, not my will, but yours be done. Something that we talk about a lot is easy to say, but very difficult to do. So I'm sure this conversation is going to bring up some interesting points and some interesting stories. So let's dive in. You are listening to the Competing Biblically podcast. Today we are making rock on signs, apparently. It's love. Love, okay. But anyways, today we are talking about strong will. A lot of us have no problem with having a strong will. We like to get our way. We like to do things the way we want them done. Some of us need to have less of a strong will. Yes. So today is not about getting your way or having your will imposed on others, as I think, Nick, you shared in a previous podcast. But today is about our will becoming God's will and having Mm. that be submitting our will to God's will. So when we say the word strong will, it's not our strong will. It's God's strong will. So don't get too excited that we're telling you to impose your will upon everybody else. That's not what we're saying. And um, Nick, do you want to explain or talk about how we, where we're at within the whole framework, how this fits in? Yeah, for sure. We want to approach life with a whole heart, clear mind or renewed mind is what we change it to. So whole heart, renewed mind, a strong will. And then next week, we're going to talk about a great passion. Um, And I kind of see those three, those four things building on one another. Uh, So the great commandment starts with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So a whole heart, and not a divided heart, but a whole heart that is available to the Lord. And really it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. pursuing these four things. They're in the foundation because whether it is approaching two by four this way, like you got to approach two by four with my whole heart engaged. Yeah. Cause if my whole heart isn't engaged, then I'm, I'm not going to really, I'm going to be divided with the authority of God's word. Mm-hmm. My whole heart has to be dedicated to do it according to God's word, by God's power, for his glory. So once you kind of have your whole heart involved, your emotions and your being, and then it kind of comes from that place of conviction and moves up to your mind where you have to make you have to be able to, to think through and it's going to affect the way that you see the world. Unfortunately, we talked about last week is that we have seen and experienced and moved and done a bunch of things. So our mind has to be renewed in order uh, for that, in order for our heart, even like in salvation, you get the Lord captured my heart immediately when I was saved, uh, when I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But I had to unlearn tons of patterns that had been conformed to the pattern of this world. My mind had to be transformed, new pathways had to be created. And, And then Seth, you said something really interesting here that you ask the question, what good is it having a renewed mind if you throw it to the side the second it gets difficult? Because one thing that we've seen, I've seen in my life, Zach and Seth, you've seen it in yours as well, and we've talked about it on this podcast, is that uh, not everything is rainbows, butterflies, mm-hmm. and unicorns and gumdrops. Like, it's difficult. Like, mm-hmm. James 1 says, 
count it all joy, my brothers, when mm-hmm. you face trials of many kind, of various kinds. It's going to be hard. There's going to be adversity. So if we don't have a strong will, and again, the commitment is not my will be done. I'm going to win. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. The strong will is the will that says, not my will, but yours be done. Mm -hmm. We're going to dive deep into that, this episode, which I'm really grateful for. And then out of the overflow of that will being steadfast and secured from a whole heart with a clear mind, with a renewed mind and a will that's saying we're not going to be shaken, then passion is born. And it's, it stops just being like uh, in those moments of, man, I, I used the example of cussing before and like using harsh language and talking to people. It's not just like it got to the point where those words were bitter. Like I enjoy putting people up. I enjoy encouraging others. Like there's passion and life and joy once I've gotten to that place where it, mm-hmm. and it's like living biblically, competing biblically may start as something that's very difficult. Like it's hard. So anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a cyclical process. So as we grow in each of those things, so wholly devoted, whole heart, renewed mind, and then a strong will, and then a great passion. When you get to that passion point, then it circles right back around to the beginning yep. and your heart's able to be more engaged. And as your heart's more engaged, you're able to see and think more clearly and more areas of your mind are exposed as not being renewed. So you attack them with your with even more of your heart. And then when you're able to do that, your will gets even more strengthened that it's better. The Lord's way is better. The Lord's will mm-hmm. is better. You become more resolved there. And as you're more resolved there, you become more and more passionate. Mm-hmm. So it's this cycle that just keeps playing on top of itself, almost like a snowball rolling down a hill. Yeah. Um, so that's a long warm up and intro, but yeah, I think it's worth looking at that. This is where this yeah. stuff is coming from. It's not like individual pockets. They are four items that build on top of each other that will lead over time to make each other greater. Whole yeah. heart, clear mind, strong will, great passion. Yeah. And as, as we preface, I want to first dive into the definition of will. We looked up some different Merriam-Webster dictionary has quite a few different definitions for will. And one that we settled on was the power of control over one's actions or emotions. So it takes an effort to control our actions and emotions, even with a renewed mind, because we have a renewed mind, but that doesn't mean there aren't other desires there to act in other ways or to live out in different ways. Um, another definition that popped up that, that I liked was it's that a will is not just a desire, but it's the ability to choose from among one's desires. So when we, our mind is renewed and our, our heart is sold out, that doesn't mean there's not other desires there. And a will says, no, this is the decision that I've made. This is the way I'm going to live. And it takes effort. There's, there's a good debate, a healthy debate, but there are Christians who, who believe that effort is that we just walk with Christ and it is it is all his work in us but if you think you're going to continue to walk with Christ and that there's no effort then then you're mistaken um, some people will when you talk about will and trying to make an effort will say you are doing a works-based gospel well it's not it's not a works-based gospel it, and making an effort is not opposed to the law of grace uh, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. 
Um, we can never earn our salvation, earn our right standing with God. But if you expect not to put in an effort, then you are in for an interesting road. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Zach. Zach's going to take us into our our core scripture for today, which is Mark 14, 32 to 42. Yeah, so this section uh, is labeled the prayer in the garden. Uh, it really just is Jesus praying before he's betrayed, before uh, his calling comes into place and his ministry comes to an end. So verse 32 starts with, They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and horrified. Then he said to him, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. And then he went a little farther, fell to the ground, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. Simon, are you sleeping? He asked Peter. Could you not stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not, they did not know what to say to him. Then he came up a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. Look, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Yeah, so as, as we've been saying, this, the idea of competing biblically could be summed up with this, the words of Jesus in this, in this passage is this active, even Seth, as you were given that second definition, the ability to choose from among one's desires. I would say in the Christian context, it's it's not even just choosing from among your desires, but making uh, the decision to cut off all the other desires yeah. and say this one, this one thing I do. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at this a little bit next week. And well, we've been saying this since week one. We said this week one that we're going to look at this next week in passion. <laughs> but Paul says this. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining forward for what lies ahead. He's going to pursue the upward call of of God in Christ Jesus as Lord. So cutting out from among all of our desires. And all our desires aren't, aren't, necess- aren't necessarily evil, even like what we were coming out of. Power, acceptance, control, comfort. Like those things aren't necessarily wrong. It's when they trump God's desire or they compete. Mm-hmm. It's not even just like, oh, I like this more than God. It's the fact that these things are competing for supremacy, where God is holy and set apart in the way that he loves, in the way that he does everything. He's so distinct that he's in a category by himself. And when anything even tries to bring itself into that category, so uh, even among the desires, there's one, which is this, is what Jesus prays here. Not my will, but yours be done. And there's a refreshing thing in here that it's not just, and Seth, I know that you're going to touch on this in a minute, is that Jesus, you see that that decision process happening here in the garden. You see the wrestling with it. like, And it's not just that he was going to be killed, not, not just that he was going to be tortured, mm-hmm. although those things aren't pleasant. And I'll be honest, like those things, I see the stuff going on 
in the world around us and I read uh, Revelation and I read not 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 saying that we, what we're seeing is the book of Revelation being displayed because well, that's a podcast of for another day a horse of a different color <laughs> pun intended uh, with the four horsemen um, oh my but I see what's going on around me and I don't want to suffer mm-hmm. like I, I don't want suffering I don't want my comforts taken away we've talked about that before for Jesus though it was not that he would be separated from God, but that he would be separated from God's love mm-hmm. and goodness, mm-hmm. and that he would only get 100% of God's wrath, Yeah, that the wrath of God would turn against him mm-hmm. on our behalf, and that caused distress. Like Scientists have proven what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane is possible of happening when a person is under enough distress. That's incredible. Not just stress, but distress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that droplets of blood, what happened to Jesus is literally the capillaries in his forehead burst and blood got into his sweat glands and his sweat ducts. And as he sweated, blood came out. He was literally that distressed about this decision. Not Again, not to be tortured, not because of death, but because of the wrath of God that would come. The pain that would come. Because all he had known was the fullness of God's love and mercy and relationship. Before we were, before the world was even created, they lit, the Trinity lived in perfect community with one another. And just to even see that Jesus is wrestling there, like that that's a reality. That he had to choose from among those desires. And it's not wrong. Like he didn't say, he didn't say, God, I don't want your will to happen. I think that's an also an important distinction distinction in this passage. He's not saying, God, I don't care about the plan. Abort the plan. I, I don't. I hate these people. I would probably, I would <laughs> probably give into that. Like, no, they, no, they're wicked. Like, you kidding me? I'm, I'm God, and they're gonna kill me. I, let's do 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 a different plan. He's not even deviating from the plan of redemption. He's just saying, God, is there any other way? Mm-hmm. Is there any other way that we can do this? And motivated out of love for us and motivated out of loving submission to the Father, he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Don't detract from your glory. Don't detract from the love that, you, that we want to show to the world. And he submitted himself joyfully to the Father. We know that in Hebrews. So this is the crazy part. So we see in this passage distress. And in Hebrews, the the Bible says, the book of Hebrews says, all the Hebrews says, with the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So even as he's wrestling, even as he's displaying that strong will, ooh, teaser for next week again, you see a great passion. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. But the distress was also real. Yeah. The joy that was to come to be reunited with the Father, to receive back the glory and honor and power that he deserved, and to have a people that were called by his name, that joy was there. And for that joy, he endured the cross. Yeah. And he still wrestled with it. Yeah. And I think it's funny, Nick, that you brought up that Hebrews verse because what came to my mind, and this wasn't in what we prepared, um, was later in Hebrews 4, where or Hebrews 12 and it's down in verse 4 where 
you know, verse 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us. Endurance is a strong will mentality that you're going to endure. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, which is what Nick was talking about. Somebody. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is something that is humbling, these next couple of verses, when we think that we are following God with a whole heart, a new mind, strong will, and great passion. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Mm. Like, we think that we try Amen. to follow God. And That's we good. try to obey his commandments. Mm. And it's just a sobering verse saying, no, I mean, we have not yet struggled and put an effort to follow God to the point that we are resisting to the point of, of sweating blood. I mean, whatever great follower of Christ we think we are. I mean, that's just a, a humbling and a sobering mm. verse. And, and yeah, I don't know if, if there's any more words that I can add to that because I think that says it all. But one thing that comes with a strong will, especially we talk about God's will, other desires will come and compete. So you have to, and again, we've talked about this before on previous episodes. Mm. You have to make a decision beforehand that this is what you're going to do. This is who you're going to follow. And this is the devotion with which you live your life now. Um, because there will be other things come along. The second someone makes you angry, Nick, you said the second someone says the F word at you, trying to yell at you and correct you, you know, there's another desire there. And yet we have the will to know that, no, we're going to represent Christ and live for him first. Yeah, that doesn't ha- that doesn't happen with an FCA anymore. <laughs> I hope not. But during my football career, once or twice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think most people competing have experienced that on a fairly regular basis. So it is a decision that we make from the beginning. We have to make that decision. But it is also a decision that we make every single day. Um, because each day we do have an opportunity to pick our will back up, our desires back up, and not follow the way that God has for us. So it is a constant, it's a decision we make at the beginning, and it's also a decision that we wake up and we make every single day, every single practice, every single time we run, not to complain, every single time we disagree with our coach, we have to, again, make that decision to, to not complain, to, to submit to that authority. And Nick, you had talked about this within marriage, about making a decision about your relationship with Lindsay and about speaking poorly of one another. I didn't know if you wanted to dive into that at all. I would love to share. Lindsay and I made a commitment off of some great advice that we got from couples that counseled us early on that that had some struggles in their marriage because they had made wrong decisions of speaking ill to their family about their spouse. Mm -hmm. So at the moment a conflict arises, it's easy for a family member to, and you run to your mom and say, my Lindsay did this, Lindsay did that. She's this, she's that, that out of anger. Now all of a sudden my family has a negative view of her that will never recover. Mm -hmm. So there'll always be distrust. There will always be seeds of discord 
because they're sowing seeds of discord. Discord's what we'll reap. So my parent or my a couple of our mentors told us like whatever you do, keep your disagreements your disagreements. If you need help discerning what's going on in your heart, ask trusted advisors, but leave your spouse out of it. Deal with your spouse only with your spouse. And it's hard. It was hard at first in the moment. Yeah. It was hard at first in the moment to do that because you get angry and you just want to run your mouth. But now it's like eight years, nine, going on nine years into marriage. It's not even a second thought. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Lindsay and I got something going on. We need to wrestle through. Uh, and Seth, as you were like kind of in, in relation to this as well, in Second um, Corinthians, Second Corinthians 10, 5. Well, I'll start in verse 3. I like the 3 through 6 thing. It's good. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when our, our be- when your obedience is complete. So even Seth, as you were sharing a little bit earlier, is yeah, you can't just spawn a strong will. It's a supernatural thing to be able to say, "Not my will, but yours be done." So it's a it's a supernatural thing. It's not an earthly thing. It's not an earthly desire. It's not an earthly power. Like we need to tap into the supernatural. We need to tap in, and not the supernatural, some mystical thing. Like, we need power. We talked about this with the four avenues of mission. We need power by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. We need the light switch to be turned on. So as we look to kill all those other desires, to have that one desire, not my will but yours be done, take root, that only happens by by prayer. It only happens by prayer that has the power by God's Spirit to tear down strongholds. And you were talking about this and this is what specifically made me think about it is any thought that comes against Jesus Mm -hmm. any opinion that would come against the reality of Christ is we have the ability in prayer to say no you know what not my will but yours be done to be steadfast there yeah Nick and as you as you talk about kind of this fight um between the spirit of the flesh I mean just in that passage we read from Mark 15 in verse 38, Jesus hits right on that point and just says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm. And both of these are realities that we have to endure every single day. And we uh, at Lifehouse Church, the church I attend in Middletown, we have college group on Thursday nights. And one of the things that we talked about this past week uh, was just endurance and being willing to accept the fact of the spirit over the flesh. And so over in John In John 6, Jesus addresses it again in verse 63. So John 6, 63, he says, The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And so just as we talk about this idea of strong passion, and I really like um, the definition that Seth gave in the beginning, and just that it's not your desires, uh, it's a choice to follow the correct desires. And so I think as we talk through the spe- the, the spirit versus the flesh, we have to realize that these thoughts uh, that Nick are talking about taking captive, these thoughts, everything that comes against Jesus is from our flesh. And we are told to battle 
with everything against that. And not that we can do that because obviously we fail every time. Uh, and Seth, I love the verse that you shared that just we haven't struggled to the point of shedding blood in that fight against the flesh. And so as we talk about this strong will, it's really just encouraging that this flesh is going to fight everything that comes from the spirit and doesn't help at all in this argument. Yeah. And a, a biblical example that I think of when we think of not my will, but yours be done. Probably one of the most powerful is Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham gets ready to sacrifice Isaac. And we talk about how, how Abraham is sacrificing his son, which is super difficult. And I'm not minimizing that, but it's, it's when I read that, I think of it's so much more than that because think about the journey that Abraham has been on. He, him and his wife are of old age and God gives him his promise that um, his offspring will, num- will be greater than the number of the stars, more than the sand on the seashore, and that him and his wife will have a son. Um, they try and do that in their own power, which goes which goes wrong. But then Jesus miraculously gives him a son, fulfilling this promise. And so it's not just that he's sacrificing his son, but God has given him a purpose, a mission, and has and has worked through him so powerfully. And he's asking Abraham when he asked him to sacrifice Isaac to lay that down. And there you truly see whether it's whether Abraham had taken it on and made it his his heart to make himself great or whether he was doing the will mm-hmm. of of God. Um, and I think it's so powerful to think about his whole life leading up to this point, even from getting up and leaving everything and following God to having Isaac and everything that was being fulfilled through Isaac and then being willing to completely lay that down and cut it off is so powerful and you talk about not my will but your be yours be done i think that is probably the most powerful example out of out of the bible yeah and that's worship mm-hmm. so actually in that passage it's one of the first places in the bible where worship is met- mentioned hmm. when isaac asks abraham where are we going he says we're going up to the mountain and the Greek word for worship, or the Hebrew word for worship, is used there. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first times in the scripture that the word worship is used. Hmm. So, saying, not my will, but yours be done, is a choice to worship God. Going back to a couple of weeks ago, Paul Tripp said, I'm convinced that there's two ways to live. Submit to the Lord's will, or be, be your own God. Mm-hmm. And when you say, not my will, but yours be done, when you have a strong will... To do that, when you are locked in and that devoted in that place, it's actually an act of worship. Yeah. And, and thinking about worship, the other story from the Old Testament, I think, is uh, equally as powerful. <laughs> uh, I mean, side note, the Bible is powerful. So, spoiler alert. What's your, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Bible verse? All of them. <laughs> yes. Um, but another powerful story from the from the Bible about worship is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, You see these three young men, teenage boys, that are put in a foreign land, and they are asked with all the people of Babylon, including all the rest of the Jews that are in exile, to bow down to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar made under the threat of, if you do not obey, 
my command, you'll be thrown and burn alive. And they purpose in their heart with a strong will, a whole heart, a renewed mind, thinking correctly, and a strong will, and then they passionately follow this, that they say, no, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And Nebuchadnezzar comes back and says, who will deliver you out of my hand? And they said, our God will deliver us out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Mm-hmm. And that took Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar off, increases it seven times as hot as it's supposed to be. Even the guys who go to throw him in the pit, they are into the furnace. They get burned up and they die. And yet he looks in there and sees four men in the fire. And that fourth person, as my son will gladly tell you, is angel of the Lord, which uh, some biblical scholars would say that likely is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus meets them there in their obedience. Mm -hmm. That even if you throw us in this, you throw us in the fire, fine, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to go down with him. Yep. We're going to honor him. Yeah. Um, my pastor, Pastor Mike, says this a lot, but like literally what this means, come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. Come hell or high water, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him. If, if things get as bad as they can possibly get, we're going to follow the Lord. Yeah. That's what Joshua says. Choose this day whom you will serve. You will serve. Yeah. As, for, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to have a strong will. Yeah. We talk about strong will. And not my will, but yours be done. I don't know if there's many things that are much more applicable in in the world of sport than this. Because the world of athletics is filled, overflowing with people with strong wills. And everybody wants their way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, well not I, we jotted down just some some scenarios that require us to have a strong will mindset of not my will, but yours be done. Because there's... Many things that you can't, the only things that you are in control of are when you're talking about competing is attitude, your attitude and your effort. You can lead, you can attempt to lead others in in the same way and lead others to be better, but you do not have control over them. And when things don't go your way, how are you going to respond in your attitude and your effort? So that even if from the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Mm. Nick, I know you we've talked about is one of the most powerful things. Like even if he doesn't save us, we will not bow down and we will not, we will not stray from what we know. So we are committed to do God's will and not ours. Even if I don't start, even if we're not winning or even if we're not playing well, even if I don't agree or don't get along with my coach, even if, the referee did make a bogus call, even if I'm in the middle of a losing season, even if I have an injury that's taken me out of the season. Um, so those are just some scenarios. I don't know if any of those pr- stuck out at you and say, oh, yeah, I don't I don't submit my will to God very well in that in that scenario. I know a couple of them stick out to me. So that's just something to get us thinking about how we live that out in the athletic world. Yeah, I think the big takeaway here, I've heard Bible teachers say this, guys that I really look up to, but Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Hmm. The way that that process is in my mind is Jesus needs to be everything or he's nothing. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to, and again, we'll look at this next week. Paul says, I have not arrived. I 
folks, we have not arrived. I cannot say with complete confidence that Jesus is everything. There are things that are competing, and we are on a journey of putting every other thought that comes against the obedience of Christ, putting that to death. Any opinion raised against the knowledge of God, putting that to death. But yeah, it's the fight to close the gap between potential and performance. We're striving perfection that we could say with a whole heart, clear mind, strong will, great passion, that Jesus is everything. That's what he deserves. I just want to invite you folks that are listening. I don't know if you're listening to this right now uh, as it's being posted or you're going to listen to this days, months, years, or longer later. But I want to invite you to make this decision to make Jesus everything. Uh, We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, but make the decision not just to believe in Jesus, but to entrust your whole life to him and commit to saying, not my will, but yours be done. Decide, cut off all other option that his will is supreme. And I think that the FCA competitors creed does a really good job of encapsulating this. So hopefully this will fire us up on the way out. Uh, It says this is the last stanza of the competitors creed. I give my all all the time. I do not give up. I do not give in. I do not give out. I am the Lord's warrior, a competitor by conviction and a disciple of determination. I am confident beyond reason because my confidence lies in Christ and the results of my effort must result in his glory. Let the competition begin and let the glory be God's.